I want to read to you Brother Skip's letter that I got in the mail yesterday. <clears throat> he says, Dear friends and co-workers in Christ, I hope you are all doing well. I know that this is a challenging time for all of us. So many have lost loved ones. We recently lost another pastor that had been with the Prince of Peace churches for over 30 years. It's a very hard thing experiencing so much death and loss lately. And yet, I remember that even in this, God is still good. I don't understand everything, but this I know, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. At the moment, we see dimly, as in a glass, but one day, we will see him face to face, and in that moment, all the sufferings of this present time will be but a dream in the light of his glory and his goodness. Isn't that beautiful? This is not our home, friends, and death is not the end. It is only the door to a new beginning in him. So, though we mourn and we grieve, we do it with hope, looking to the future we have in store with Jesus. While it is good to look at what awaits us, I also want to encourage you in what the Lord is doing today. Even in the midst of such trying times, our brother Martin, one of our Bible school graduates from last year, has a small mission church that the Lord is rapidly growing. Recently, Brother Martin prayed for a lady who could not walk, and the Lord raised her up. Praise God. Brother Jexael, who oversees Brother Martin, has told me of how the Lord is using this brother wonderfully. This month, I attended a dinner by the director of the cultural events in Reynosa, Mexico, in honor of 12 ministers, including myself, who have been serving and preaching in Reynosa for 50 years for Christ. All of the ministers were from different organizations, but we greeted one another as the body of Christ. Because I was the oldest, they asked me to share a word and to pray over the dinner. It was such a nice evening. I just wish I could have shared it with Delilah, but I know that she's rejoicing with our Lord, and I wouldn't trade that for any dinner in her honor. This past Sunday, we had the opening service for the Melvin and Delilah Prince of Peace Bible School in Reynosa. We have 22 students this year. 10 are returning for their second year, and we have 12 freshmen. We also have 10 students who are attending the night school that meets in Brother Andre's church twice a week. The Lord is truly raising up his laborers. We're praying for our national convention in Chappas on October 13 and 14, as it's election time, please pray with us that the Lord will give us wisdom as we choose new leaders. May God's will be done. 
I thank you all for your continued generosity and love, and with the recent challenges, there have been many financial needs that our organization has been able to alleviate because of your faithful giving. I hope you all know how much I love and appreciate you. Though we be far apart, I think of you as my family. I pray this letter encourages you. God is still moving, and he is still faithful, and he still loves you. May his joy be your strength, and his love be your anchor. I thought that was so beautiful, I just wanted to share it with you this morning. I trust that you all had a good week. My sisters and I were together Thursday and Friday, and we finished up all of Daddy's loose ends of the business part and getting things taken care of, and we just have one more thing if the people will turn our call that we can finish. So I'm thankful for their help. And Father, I just ask you now, Lord, to bless this word. Lord, you've anointed it to my heart in such a special way. And I pray, Lord, that no interference can stop the message that should come forth now in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to look at a couple of groups of people this morning, and I'm going to be beginning in 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 5. And it says, If a man also strive for masteries, yet is he not crowned, except he strive lawfully. And we'll come back to that in a minute. Paul tells us in the first chapter of 2 Timothy how fond he was of Timothy, calling him his dearly beloved son and praying a beautiful prayer of blessing over Timothy for his continued growth in his ministry. Paul admonished Timothy as a son to continue to be strong and that he should find some qualified men, godly men, on whom Timothy could lean in the ministry and who could be trusted to handle the delivery of the gospel just like Paul had given it to Timothy. So the message in verse 5 seemed a little odd to me given the rest of the context of the chapter. So I began researching the context of verse 5, and I think now it makes a lot of sense, and I'm going to share that with you. Paul was saying in verse 5 that if a competitor in a game or an athlete in a sport or a soldier who was training for battle or even a minister of the gospel were to strive for the prize of the crown, for the mastery of his craft, he first must complete all the points of the requirements in accordance with the governing laws for that game or that sport or that training or ministry, or he could not be crowned. 
Every requirement must be met and every step must be done in logical order to legally win the crown. Cheating, bluffing were not permissible. Not only that, if anyone tried to steal the prize of the crown without having met all those legal requirements and without having completed every step along the way, they were so mocked and ridiculed and the governing body for that craft assessed very large fines against the cheater from which a permanent public monument to that person's discredit would be erected. Everyone would know he had cheated. In chapter 3, Paul goes on to tell us of the condition of men's hearts in the last days before Christ's return. And you know the scripture. He says that violent liars, cheaters, and haters of those that do good who are ever learning but never coming to the knowledge of the truth from such as these, Paul warns, turn away. In chapter 3, verse 8, Paul writes, Now, as Janus and Jambres withstood Moses, so do these who resist the truth. Men of corrupt minds reprobate concerning the faith. Verse 9, this is a critical verse in the scripture, of the whole scripture. But they shall proceed no further, for their folly shall be manifest unto all men. I'm going to read those two verses again, 8 and 9. Now as Janus and Jambres withstood Moses, so do these who resist the truth, men of corrupt minds, reprobate concerning the faith, but they shall proceed no further, for their folly shall be manifest unto all men. Just like those who cheated their way to a crown in verse 5, <clears throat> these from whom the Bible clearly tells us to turn away shall proceed no further and their folly shall be manifest to all men. I'm telling you today that no matter what we see to the contrary, this is the word of God. And I hope this word is speaking clearly something to our hearts. And now I'm going to look at Exodus 7. In Exodus 7, God told Moses, I've made you like a god before Pharaoh, and Aaron shall be your prophet. And whatever I tell you to say, you say it, and I will perform it. And the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord when I stretch forth my hand upon Egypt, 
to bring out the children of Israel from among them. Now, please stay with me for a minute or two because we're going to make our way through this. I'm not covering all of the plagues, but there are a couple of points through here that we need to know. One is Moses was 80 years old when God commissioned him for the task of leading the Hebrew children out of Egypt. Aaron was 83. When God told Moses to stretch forth his rod and it became a serpent. Of course, Moses told Aaron to do this. You get the, like an interpreter type of situation. And it turned into a serpent. There are quite a few translations that say that it was a crocodile. And it was none other than Janus and Jambres, who were Pharaoh's magicians, whose rod also turned into a serpent. But look at verse 12. For it says, For they cast down every man his rod, and they became serpents. But Aaron's rod swallowed up their rods, even the rods of Janus and Jambres. When God turned every drop of water in Egypt into blood, it was Janus and Jambres who did also, with their enchantments, turn water into blood. And likewise, when God healed the water from the blood and brought forth the frogs, it was Janus and Jambres who in, used their enchantments and also brought forth frogs from the water. But in verse 18, when God turned the dust into lice, the Bible says the magicians did likewise with their enchantments in verse 18, but they could not. God created that dust, and he created the lice. Janus and Jambres did not have creative power, so the Bible says they tried, but they could not. Janus and Jambres went to Pharaoh, and they said, You'd better listen and you better pay attention to this because this is the finger of God. And yet we know Pharaoh still hardened his heart. But from then on, Pharaoh did not call the magicians or the witches or the enchanters. He called on the man of God. He called on Moses and Aaron to find out what was going on. Now, this, at this point, Pharaoh did not yield to God and give you know, obeisance to him. He continued to lie and uh, you know, say, I'll do this, but he didn't. But no longer did he call on the magicians. Now, when God smote the Egyptians with boils, chapter 9, verse 11 says, 
that Janus and Jambres could not even stand before Moses because of the pain of the boils. For the boils were upon the magicians and all of the Egyptians. God told Pharaoh in verse 16, For this very deed and for this cause have I raised thee up. This is what he's telling Pharaoh. For to show in thee my power and that my name may be declared throughout all the earth. Do you see where this is going? Does anybody have a clue? The correlations here? And then God promised Pharaoh, next you're going to see killer hailstones and fiery lightning and thunder. And by chapter 10, verse 7, Pharaoh's elite, those show-off magicians, Janus and Jambres, who operated directly under Satan's control, were begging Pharaoh to let these people go. So what is the message? That there comes a time in God's timetable that the falsely crowned will be publicly exposed and ridiculed, and that the witches and the magicians will try, but they cannot. They cannot. And their folly will be made known to all men. And in the meantime, God accomplished his plan using two 80-plus-year-old men, grandpas, great-grandpas, to accomplish his will, plus a plethora of his own created beings and creatures to uh, get the job done. Just after all of this happened in Exodus, God told Moses, tell the Israelite people to go to their homes and put the blood of the lamb upon the doorposts. So that when I send the death angel through Egypt, he will pass over every door that has the blood covering. They were still in captivity, yes. For Pharaoh's heart hadn't yet been softened but God made a way to save his people, even in the captivity. God even gave them favor among the Egyptians <clears throat> because the Bible says that Egypt spoiled, excuse me, that Israel spoiled Egypt and left Egypt fully laden with all necess necessities and arms that they would need for their trip <clears throat> into the wilderness. You might say, well, that's all fine and good. What about the church? The remnant who are looking for Christ's return. Those who do have the blood applied across their hearts. The book of Haggai 2.9 says that the glory of the latter days will be greater than the former. And then he said in Joel, 
when the latter days are here, I will do a new thing, and I will pour out my spirit upon my sons and my daughters. Our part is that we remain faithful. We remain attuned to the call to be used of God when his time to use us is here. Paul told Timothy, just as Janus and Jamres withstood Moses, God made an end to their show and they acknowledged God's finger and so too will these cheaters and liars, these apostates in these last days who steal crowns and resist the truth also come to their end and be exposed and acknowledge God. I don't think I need to use specific words, do you? I think we can get the gist of this clearly, straight from the Word of God. And I will tell you this, on Monday morning, I went into my office and I knelt at my chair. I said, Lord, you have to give me something from your word that speaks loudly to our hearts. I need something that is clear, that is, you know, uh, in your face, in your ear, that we cannot mistake. And Tuesday morning I woke up, read 2 Timothy. And when I read the scripture that said in Janus and Jambres, I thought, well, I know I've heard that name, but I can't, those names, but I don't remember who they are. And I started researching, and the Lord just poured this out into my heart. I'm thankful because I know this is a prophetic word. I know it without a doubt that this is a prophetic word that will be fulfilled, not because I spoke it, but because the word of God spoke it. And he spoke it to our hearts. Will you stand with me this morning? Father, I just thank you for this word. I thank you for confirming your word to our spirits, Lord, and that we've heard loud and clear the message. God, I pray that you give us faith I pray that you strengthen our faith, Lord, to wait for the promise that you've given us. Lord, to say that no matter what we see around us, no matter what is reported around us, your word is thus and so. Lord, let it light a fire in our hearts. Let us be able to think upon it and share it, Lord, with confidence because you spoke these words. Father, I thank you for touching our bodies this morning. I thank you, Lord, for all the healings that you've done for us, Lord, both in our bodies and out of our bodies, Lord, in all things concerning us, because your eyes are upon each one. 
And Father, I just pray that this word would be food to our hearts and our spirits as we go forth from this place. Blessed and anointed of your spirit, O God. Blessed and kept with that blood of the Lamb that's over the doorpost of our hearts. And we give you praise and glory and honor for we realize that it came from you in Jesus' name. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Father. We just worship your name. Thank you for visiting our, our uh, worship time this morning, Lord. Thank you for being involved in our lives in such a wonderful, marvelous way. You're a wonderful Savior, Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Go with each one, O oh God. Protect and seal us, Lord, with your Holy Spirit. And we give you praise and glory in Jesus' precious name. Amen and amen. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, we thank you, Jesus. We look to you, Lord. We look to your word. Amen. <clears throat>